three things you can do that will accelerate the awakening process. Now, for context, I'm talking about that first shift in identity, that first uh, movement beyond the conceptual identity, the sense of being a someone in time, a seeking someone, someone with a past and a future, someone that struggles, that suffers, that inner pressure cooker of the egoic mind that we find so incredibly uncomfortable once we recognize the nature of suffering. Breaking out of that, seeing through that, having a shift in identity such that that really stops operating or we can no longer uh, fully believe in that that aspect of our experience. Um, that's that first shift I'm talking about. And so this uh, video and these pointers refer specifically to that first shift, how to access that. So the first thing I wanna say is that uh, all of these are sort of adjustments. Adjustments meaning they're modifications in the way we usually uh, approach and think about spirituality, uh, Buddhism, awakening, and so forth before we have that shift. So these may not all apply to every person, but these are things that I see um, being helpful for me to tell people when they're moving toward this. And they do address the sort of sticking points I see people get themselves into uh, where awakening is held off unnecessarily, or maybe not unnecessarily, but it it's, uh, uh, seems to slow the process down when we have these certain kinds of fixations, uh, or we're just not seeing through uh, various elements of experience that make it necessary for us to uh, experience that shift. So number one is uh, the willingness to let go of your narrative, of your storyline. And this takes various forms. Obviously it has to do with time, with uh, your uh, memories, with your belief in your values, um, your, your entire belief system. Believing all of that is solid, real, and defining of who you are. That's your narrative. And it's important to be able to let go of that at some point, um, to at least realize it's just not what you are or the instinct that that's not what you are, um, being able to embrace that. So how do we do this? Well, I have many pointers on this in my various videos, but in simplicity, it's a matter of just asking yourself, okay, what do I know about myself right now? And everything you come up with that's a thought, you discount it. Well, I know I came from XYZ place. Okay, well, do you see that right now? Does that have anything to do with what you're experiencing right now? If you came from a different place, you were born in a different city, uh, came from a different country, would that matter right now? Your experience right now without that memory, would it be different? Your experience of self, would it be fundamentally different if someone pulled that memory out of your mind and stuck another memory in your mind? And you might think it would, but that's only in reference to another thought, right? You'd have to think a second time to say, well, if I was born in this other city, then maybe I would learn this language, and so I would be speaking that language instead of this language. And Right? Do you see how that works? So your mind justifies its own binding. The ego justifies its own existence 
by just giving you more thoughts. But when you realize that whole series of thoughts is all based on one thought or belief that anything in the past or anything that you pull out of memory defines who or what you are, um, that's the belief. That's the fundamental belief. And when you let go of that and realize, well, right now, without all of that, I don't know who or what I am. Or maybe I can sense it, but there's definitely a big mystery at hand, right? Essentially, when you don't reference thoughts at all right now, realizing that who or whatever you are has nothing to do with a narrative of any kind. So in theory, a lot of people can get this, and yet in practice, often it still sneaks up on you. So I'll give you an example. On occasion, I'll have somebody talk to me and uh, try to convince me that some people can't wake up. What they're really trying to do is convince me that they can't wake up. But they'll say, well, isn't it possible that some people just can't wake up? Like, you know, is, you know certain people, because of certain situations, they just can't wake up. And, and it usually starts out in this sort of theoretical conversation. But very quickly, it turns into, well, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I haven't woken up. And right, So it's doubt, and that's OK. It's OK that you have that doubt. But you have to see at some point you are holding on to that narrative very, very tightly. I am the one who can't wake up, right? And sometimes it helps to explore and unpack that and look at other areas of your life and see where else you've you know, got a lot of doubt or doubt about yourself or your abilities or whatever. And sometimes that's related to stuff in the emotion body. Um, but just seeing this clearly is very important. Oh my gosh, that's the narrative I've been using to keep myself asleep. Or maybe not to keep myself asleep, but it's the narrative I've been using to stabilize myself in the mind, right? In my belief system, in my narrative. So this, you know, may or may not be an easy one for someone to break, but if they're willing to break it, it's definitely breakable. You can see through that narrative. It doesn't matter if you've been at this for 50 years, right? If you've been at keeping a narrative alive for 50 years, how many seconds does it take to stop doing that? One, one half, one fourth of a second, right? You can stop at any time. So. That's just one example. I get a lot of storylines that, that feel sticky. Like I can tell someone has the general idea about how, how to sort of see through memories in the moment, get themselves to feeling some presence, realizing, okay, I'm not my memories. I'm not really the beliefs I have about myself. But this always happens when I get to this stage. You know, I get to this fear barrier and then I, something else happens, right? That's the narrative. The narrative starts to find its way in. It still wants to snake its way into your storyline somehow. So the good news here is it's the same recipe. Just keep at it and be sort of ruthless with how you apply the willingness to see past the narrative, right? Is the narrative I'm bored? Is the narrative I come to a place of neutrality? Is there a narrative um, I get distracted? Whatever the narrative is. So number one is <clears throat> a willingness to see through that narrative. Uh, number two, it's somewhat related to number one, uh, and that is uh, be willing to let go of your spiritual identity. Spiritual identity means the techniques you've learned, right? I know, scary, right? can be really unsettling. The meditation techniques, the experiences you've had, right? Oh, I had this awakening back then, or I had this opening, or this happened, or that happened. And we want to hold on to that. 
And we think it's helping us to get to something called awakening, but what it's really doing is stabilizing our identity. Just like in the previous example of someone who has the identity around not being able to wake up. We can also have an identity around having had spiritual experiences and those are supposedly gonna to lead to something. Again, those are memories. It doesn't matter what they were, they're gone. So be willing to let go. So let go of you know, your techniques, your practices, um, your spiritual belief system. That's another one where we don't realize it's our identity, but the beliefs around what we think is so true about the world, Buddhism, spirituality, even the, the fundamental tenets of things like Buddhism, like no self. You can use the doctrine of no self, the belief in no self, to stabilize your, your ego. So um, these many doctrines point to very subtle and uh, um, profound truths in deeper stages of realization. But if they're misapplied, meaning you just believe them, and you use that framework to stabilize yourself, your ego, your sense of who and what you are and how you relate to others, even through competitiveness and other various things, uh, then you know, you're misusing the, the point of those, um, those doctrines, right? So, so number two, point number two is be willing in this moment to let go of your spiritual history, your spiritual um, catalog, understandings, techniques, etc. Now, I, I understand that perhaps you're using a technique like self-inquiry or uh, a koan like mu, and you might say, well, should I let go of that technique? Well, in one sense, you actually do, but if you apply the technique correctly, it will bring itself to this place where even the technique is penetrated, right? So um, this will lead to my third point or third suggestion for those who are having difficulty waking up. Um, but uh, yeah, I understand that the technique itself, if properly applied, will actually bring you to all three of these um, goals that I'm laying out here. They'll uh, bring you past your narrative, past thoughts, past the binding of mind. They'll bring you past your spiritual identity, your beliefs, your history, your history of spiritual experiences, and even past the sense of someone using a technique. Even the sense that you are applying yourself to a technique will go away. So, for instance, with Mu, what is Mu, the koan? It's when there's just Mu. There's no one mooing Mu. There's no one asking. There's no one curious. There's just Mu, right? Where's the technique? Where's the world? Where's the self? Where's anything, right? Mu. So these, um, these sorts of techniques, the ones I do recommend for, for applying to um, approaching this first awakening, like a one-pointed approach, a technique like Mu or a koan, um, or um, self-inquiry that leads you beyond any concept, including any concept of self, uh, any of those will lead you to number three. And number three is simply uh, get a one-pointed approach. Get yourself into a one-pointed position. What I mean by that is when you let go of the narrative, where else are you going to look? What can you look at? What can you cling to? What can you um, grab onto, grasp onto, orient to? Well, nothing, right? Right? So then it leaves this big, huge mystery. Well, what the hell's going on then? Who am I? What am I? What? Who? What is Mu? Right? It kind of comes down to this very narrow point of focus and attention and alertness. And that alertness gets heightened 
when it's fueled by all of that history of suffering, the history of uncertainty, and the history of trust that there is something, some way beyond the confines of ego. That's one-pointed until the mind just becomes like a laser focused only on itself. It's like an inward looking that gets so precise that everything else goes away. Everything gets very, very, very quiet. Almost like it doesn't exist. That's the one-pointed approach. And if you stay with that laser focus, that alertness, that willingness to completely forego every thought, every narrative, every history, every doubt, then that one point will start to feel different. It will start to be not like you're the one applying that one-pointed approach. It will be like that one-pointed approach is more real than anything you ever thought you were. Then you can't look away. Then everything catches on fire with this, but you stay with it. That's the one-pointed approach. I don't want to talk too much about it because I can just add a bunch of stuff that will put you in your mind. But if you apply the first two principles I described, you'll find yourself here. Once you're here, stay here. Don't move. Mind reflecting mind until there's just nothing, no content, nowhere to go, nowhere to come from, no history, no future, no self or other. Just this great mind with the big M, capital M, mind. Luminous, but contentless. That's the third point. So, I'd love to hear if anyone applies these approaches and find out what happens. I wish you fruition. <laughs>